Hey everyone, this is Leticia from Paris and you're listening to Powerful Podcasting Stories, the show that reveals how podcasters, creators and editors around the world do it behind the scenes, behind the microphone. I challenged myself to get at least 100 episodes in 10 days. Are you curious enough to know if I succeeded or not? Well, you have to keep listening. Today, we're talking about content volume with a podcaster who has released an impressive number of episodes so far. What led them to stay alive for that long? Let's listen to our guest's powerful story. Hi, Leticia. Thanks for having me on the show. My name is Henrik de Gior. I'm an author, consultant, and a podcaster. I live in the United States, in the state of South Carolina. How many podcast episodes have you released till now? Over the course of how many months and years? If you have more than show, please specify too. I've released about 550 episodes to date. I started back in September of 2010, so uh, about 12 years ago. And I now have nine different podcast series or shows. Tell us, what is your podcast show about and why did you start it? So I started with the first show uh, back in 2010 and I believe there was something missing in the markets. So I started another DAM podcast.com back in 2010. Um, And uh, that led to other podcast shows, uh, completely different, that um, were related to the topic, but it needed a separate conversation to talk. So one was about digital asset management. The next one was about rights management, another uh, called rights.tech. Another one was about metadata. That was tagging.tech. Uh, another one was uh, to learn about user adoption. So useradoptionpodcast.com. Uh, and then uh, that led to a conversation with other people where they were really interested in doing uh, understanding more about blockchain. So I interviewed a whole lot, lot of people about blockchain technology, created blockchainbillionspodcast.com. And then uh, someone else asked me, well, can you uh, help us understand uh, how we age in place, how we live in within our home as we get older, regardless of age, regardless of physical ability, at any time, at any stage in life. And so I started aginginplacepodcast.com um, uh, with uh, a different uh, host. Um, and then uh, that led to entrepreneurial conversations where I was an entrepreneur in residence and helping uh, coach or advise or mentor entrepreneurs in different universities and other settings. And so I reached out to other people who do the same. And that led to EIR podcast, which is entrepreneurs in residence podcast.com uh, or EIR podcast.com. And uh, one of the lead, one of the most recent podcasts uh, was uh, a another um, creative outlet where I, I started exploring synthetic media, which is art, uh, not artificial media, but media created by machines rather than people. So um, I explored that and, and found out that there was a whole 
breadth and depth into that. And so I created Synthetic Media Podcast as I interviewed people throughout the world that create synthetic media and have something to say about synthetic media, uh, mostly for the positive side, because that's what was missing in the market. So that was nine different shows. Um, and, and there's a couple others. You can find all of them at henrikdegior.com slash podcasts. How do you produce your podcasts? What is your production process that you follow in order to have a lot of content? Do you have a team or do you work alone? So the first thing I do is I figure out um, what I'm going to talk about, uh, the general topic, and make sure that there's a market for it. Uh, and potentially no voice for it. Uh, it. That's prime for wanting a podcast around it, especially if it's something that you can verbally, uh, audibly describe and explain and doesn't necessarily require much visual information. And so I look at a topic that's um, underrepresented in the audio world and um, find a topic I do some research, um, whether that's uh, through the library, on the internet, uh, reading about it, listening to other podcasts to see if, if there's traffic on it or if there's a few episodes about such topic. And typically I find that niche subject. Uh, so I only do niche subjects. Uh, uh, typically they're fairly technical, um, but we're not talking about code. We're not talking about um, very, very abstract things. Um, but the the idea is, can you have conversations with people throughout the world that have understanding about it and are professionals in that space? So I look on social media and amongst professionals that uh, could talk about that. I find them. I reach out to them on those social media channels. They uh, connect with me. And then I email them a uh, templated email uh, with all the information that they need, including the questions. All my questions are very boilerplate. There's uh, four or five questions uh, that I ask exactly the same questions to every single person. And I get completely different answers from every single person. Uh, and this is the model that I use for every single show. So I change the topic and I don't change the questions much. And uh, this is done by me alone uh, as far as the requests for uh, people to interview. And these are almost entirely interview style uh, where I interview one individual at a time. Then uh, I, um, so I reach out to them. I email them uh, in, in templated fashion uh, by changing their name and uh, potentially uh, relevant information to them. Uh, if they connect with me, great. Uh, they can automatically schedule something via Calendly or a scheduling tool where they pick the date on my calendar when I'm available. Uh, it's usually a 15 to 20 minute conversation. It doesn't need to be longer than that. I don't do hour long conversations because no one has the time to listen to an hour long conversation for the most part. So I keep it maximum value, minimum amount of time, right? Because patients are decreasing as expectations are increasing. And with that uh, idea in mind, I want to um, get those four or five questions answered in five to 15 minutes total. And then uh, I record it. I record a bulk of them at a time, typically within a series of a month for an entire series. And I'll try to schedule as many as I can in that month. Uh, if I can record 52 or so, that's 
basically one episode per week. And that's not that hard to do. I can record like three to four, sometimes six per day. And that's literally 15 minute conversations per interview. After I edit it, I send it to them for approval. Now, the only stuff that's not done by me because I value my time, obviously, and you should too, is I send it out for editing to an audio editor who's in a different time zone. Uh, Once they approve, it's scheduled for release the next year. And I have a year of podcasts done. That's how I do each podcast series. That's how I can do basically an entire podcast series in a couple months. What's the difference in the way you created podcasts back from when you started and now? Do you now have a more elaborate process in order to produce more content? What has changed? The difference between how I started and now is basically in the past, it was um, episode by episode, figuring out who I was going to interview one week at a time or one month at a time and figuring out one episode at a time. Now it's completely systemized. I don't do one episode at a time. I do an entire series at a time. Usually I I, uh, find all my interviewees within a month and and book them for the next month and interview them all in bulk, uh, usually within that next month. And then I do bulk uh, editing and bulk approvals the following month. And then it's just a matter of scheduling for the next year. So it's completely systemized. I don't have to do any of the heavy lifting as far as editing is concerned because editing is uh, uh, a, a burden of, of, uh, uh, on, on my time. Uh, while I know how to do it, I, I don't pretend to be very good at it. So why do it myself when someone else can do it better and I can pay them a minimal amount of money for them to use their time and do it a better job? So systemization is, is basically what, what uh, has changed the game uh, for me and all of my shows. Have you encountered any kind of challenge along the way? Tell us something remarkable from your journey. I started with my first podcast and I wanted to figure out if uh, there was an audience, uh, if my audience, my first podcast audience wanted transcriptions for the interviews. And uh, at first uh, I was I was open to it, but I wanted to understand should I spend the money on it because at the time it was expensive. So what I did is I did a Kickstarter project, uh, so a crowdfunding project where it's an all or nothing. It either gets paid and fully funded or it doesn't happen at all. And my audience at the time fully funded my project to the point that they wanted printed books and eBooks of the transcriptions. Uh, And eventually that became a full transcription um, per episode uh, ongoing uh, for every episode that I was going to do. And the, the interesting part of that is uh, two things. Number one, Uh, People would dissect the pieces of the podcast that they cared about, which would be faster for them. So they only cared to hear about challenges. That's really what they wanted to hear about is like, how do you overcome challenges or failures as some people call them? And uh, and some other people wanted to read it while hearing it. So read along. That's fine. I have no issue with either one of those. The other thing that was interesting is people would use it in other countries to learn English. 
So they would follow along, understand how English words were said by listening to my podcast and understanding how people across the country or across the world were saying those specific words to understand the pronunciation of them in countries that don't speak English typically very well or want to learn. So uh, the English as a second language uh, um, uh, model. And that was fascinating to me because it built an audience worldwide of people who had any of those scenarios and others, of course, who just wanted to accessibility like, oh, well, I, I, I can't hear. Well, how do you hear a podcast if you if you're hard of hearing or you don't have that well you read along right if you're in low vision well you can still hear a podcast right so you're serving multiple audiences which is fascinating to me that was my biggest uh, takeaway uh, and and challenge to figure out does my audience actually care about this and uh, all these other uh, avenues came about too from the podcast And finally, what advice would you give to someone aiming to release this number of episodes? Any tips? The easiest way to do this is to systemize it. Think well beyond one episode. Think at least five to 12 episodes at a time of who you're going to interview, figure out who those people are, and and book them, or what your topics are going to be if, if, they're, mono, uh, if they're monologues. And just record. Just record a whole pile of them in one day and you'll see more consistency that way thank you so much for being an inspiring guest on my show and thank you for sharing your process challenges tips and tricks with us thanks again for having me on the show Letitia again you can go to h-e-n-r-i-k-d-e-g-y-o-r dot com henrikdegior.com and find out more about my podcast thanks again Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. To know more about your guest, you can find all the links in the description below, including a special link. If you're a podcaster and would like to participate as a guest, go ahead and be my guest. This challenge was recorded asynchronously on Rumble Studio. If you too want to create podcasts at scale, try it for free. Well, With this episode, I'm 1% closer to my goal. But have I reached 100? See you in the next episode.